This is episode 237, Athlete Parenthood Series, Life with an Older Baby, and I'm your co-host, Matt Iwanis. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. It's like the Grinch. You feel your heart going <laughs> from that little crunchy pee up into the bigger. <laughs> so you start getting, you know, you get wooed by this little person who's now looking at you with these adoring eyes and playing with you, and you just can't help but melt. It's just the funnest thing. And each month that goes by, he's more and more engaging and more and more fun. And then you know how to push his buttons. You know how to make him laugh and how have fun with him. Each month that goes by for me as a father, and it's just the craziest thing you even say that word father, but as a father, you start to feel more like a father and less like a provider. And welcome back, friends, or welcome to the show. And I am so stoked you are here. And it was really fun to sit down with my husband, Matt Iwanis, and continue on with our Athlete Parenthood series presented by Wahoo Fitness. And if you're new here, Matt and I recorded several episodes last year documenting our journey of being new parents, of being business owners, and being athletes, and just trying to be completely transparent on what the journey was like so that you can maybe find a little bit of inspiration or just maybe relate with somebody else because being a parent is sometimes really challenging and knowing that other people are going through what you're going through is really, really helpful. If you want to find all the resources on my website related to parenthood and pregnancy, including how to know how much to exercise during pregnancy, punch over to sonyalooney.com slash blog, and there is a drop-down menu where you can actually sort through my blog posts and podcasts by topic. And there is a parenthood and pregnancy topic where I have lots of different episodes and articles to help people out. And while you're there, go to sonyalooney.com slash newsletter and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I do a bunch of research every single week to bring to you an exclusive article that I write all about mindset, mindfulness, mental skills, and all the things that help us be more productive, content, and fulfilled in our lives. You also get a free confidence building worksheet that has some really interesting questions you can ask yourself to build more confidence on a daily basis. The topic of one of my previous newsletters was all about how you can make a habit as easy as possible so that you actually do it. And one of the habits that I've had a really hard time sticking to over the years is stretching and mobility. And I don't know about you, but I love being outside on my bike, getting after it or out on a run. But whenever I have to be in the house doing band work or stretches or that type of thing, I tend to just skip it. And I have made a commitment to myself this year that I will not skip it anymore. And I've done a lot of work looking for different resources to help me stay motivated. And one that I found that I've really been enjoying is Dynamic Cyclist. And I reached out to them to sponsor the podcast because I wanted to tell you all about it. And whenever you know you should be doing something, sometimes it's just overwhelming because for me, I don't know what to do. I have so many different options that I don't even know where to start. So I like Dynamic Cyclist platform because if you go over to their website at dynamiccyclist.com, you can actually pick a lot of different areas. You can pick a foam rolling routine or 
There's one I'm working on is for pelvic tilt, which many cyclists have, or if you have knee pain. And there's all these really specific mobility workouts and stretches that are for cyclists. And what I like doing is watching the video. And then I write down in my phone some of the different exercises so that when I'm playing with my son on the floor or just sitting there and I don't want to commit to 30 minutes or even 10 minutes, I just want to commit to doing one thing. I just take out my phone. I pick the first thing on that list and I do it. And that's been a really good way for me to make it easy. I also have confidence to know that I'm doing the right things for my body because the exercises that are prescribed there are specifically for issues that cyclists and runners have. So if you want to start your free trial and enjoy 15% off a subscription, just go over to dynamiccyclist.com and use the coupon code Looney15 and check out the show notes. And that's Looney in all caps 15 for 15% off a subscription and a free trial at Dynamic Cyclist. So I was just talking about doing some exercises on the floor while Bradley is playing. And that is part of being a parent and having a little one is trying to maximize every moment, but also trying to find those moments when you are 100% present. And I do think that it's important to let your kid play on their own. But I also think that that time together is really, really valuable and super precious. In today's episode, Matt and I enjoyed sitting down and just talking and having a conversation to share with you guys. It's like you're sitting at our dinner table with us, and hopefully someday we will have somebody sitting at the dinner table with us. We talked about the personal value of podcasting, consistency and grind, the power of daily actions, and a little bit about mental skills. And then in the second half, we got really into being parents, how having a baby has impacted our relationship. And that was something that I was really afraid of whenever we were considering having a baby, because all of a sudden, your relationship is not always going to be number one at every single moment of the day. We talked about how we communicate as a couple and how that has been really important in our relationship, especially with a little boy. We talked about the relationship between older babies and fathers. And again, this podcast isn't just for moms, it's for dads too. And I think that a lot of dads will be able to relate with some of the things that Matt was saying. And at the end of the podcast, we talked about nutrition tips and we specifically gave some tips for plant-based babies. But all the guidelines we talked about are for all babies, things like vitamin D and iron and making sure that babies are getting enough fat. We linked up some cool resources in the show notes, so make sure that you check those out at sonyalooney.com slash podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review the show and subscribe if you're enjoying it. That way you can get a notification every single week whenever we have a new guest. And last, big thank you to those of you who are supporting my work on Patreon. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that because I put a lot, I put my heart and soul into the show and into everything I do. And I would do it without making a dollar, but it really does help to pay my amazing audio editor, Roma. He is a professional at what he does, and he's also a professional musician. So your ears are in good hands. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash the Sonia Looney show. And there's also a banner for PayPal if you want to donate on PayPal at sonialooney.com slash podcasts. So thank you. Thank you to those of you who are doing that. I also support the shows that I listen to on Patreon, and I just know how much of a difference that makes. All right, here we go. Let's get into it. So it's been a while since we sat down with the microphones turned on recording a conversation about parenthood. 
Nothing more natural than a cup of tea and a bunch of microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Just your normal evening at home, chilling out. <laughs> That's right. Actually, normally it's uh, watching, lately it's watching Warrior Nun on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome, by the way. Check it out, everybody. Yeah, what's with all these one, well, this one actually has two seasons, so that makes me happy, but there's all these Netflix series that we've been watching where it's just one season this year and you get all invested and then it's just, it's over and it's so sad. That's true. Well, hopefully end of COVID means we're going to get more series coming our way. Because <laughs> that's what we do. We're parents, the kid goes to bed, we watch Netflix. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is you get, you know, 30 second episodes where you don't have to... 30 seconds. Or, that's well, quick. that's true. You blink. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is how fast it takes me to fall asleep once the show gets turned on. <laughs> no, that's not true. But yeah, 30 minute to 45 minute episodes and then you're, well, that was nice. Time to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. And actually there's lots of nights like tonight, for example, that we end up working until bedtime, whether working means, um, well, for me, it actually means work. And then for you, sometimes you actually are working and other times you're cooking and cleaning. You've You've definitely done a lot of that most of that since Bradley was born yeah I'd say that that switch got flipped where just in terms of trying to manage all of our time it just made more sense for me to take over I probably do 70% of the cooking instead of 30 and we just basically switched roles in that regard and because my schedule is a little bit more set in stone like I have a little bit of flexibility during the day but for the most part I have a pretty quote traditional daytime schedule other than I'll work in the evenings and again lots of people do that too but uh so Sonia has to make up the slack where she can here and there. She was doing, you know, podcast prep well, walking well, doing 17 things well. So that uh, multitasking, I guess, perhaps is what you might call that, gets done by you a lot more than I. So I get to kind of focus and then come back in the evening and sometimes cooking and cleaning and sometimes it's Netflixing. Yeah. And that, that multitasking comes at a cost. So like, it sounds so amazing. Like Sonia's getting all the stuff done, doing everything all at once. And I try not to do that, actually. I only do that when I get behind, which happened today. I recorded a podcast earlier today with an amazing person, but I wanted to make sure that I did my homework before we were recording. And I thought our, we were recording next week. So I had kind of a panic. Oh my gosh, I got to get ready. And that's something that I really love, actually. I love the preparation part of podcasting and I, I love the conversations, but I learned so much from the preparation phase, because oftentimes if they have a book, I've either read the entire book, I've listened to the entire book on Audible, or worst case scenario, I've skimmed the entire book. And I also look into the person, I try and listen to them on other podcasts if I can, just to get an idea of their cadence and how they are as a person so that they can feel most comfortable on my show. And the really neat thing is that happens for like Sonia sometimes will do two or three shows a week, sometimes four or five shows a week, which means that that amount of sort of consumption of information happens. And the cool thing for me, because obviously I'm not the podcast host, is that I get to have conversations with Sonia about a lot of these amazing guests that come and have you, what about this? Have you read this? And so our, our household's been greatly improved by just new information and new ideas. And even if it's just virtually meeting people. So yeah, I think for me who does not have a podcast, it's enticing just to think about, man, if I just had a podcast about this area that I loved, I would be able to interview all these amazing people. But it's a heck of a lot of work and I enjoy watching Sonia do it and just getting the benefit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and many of you are, not many, but some of you have started a podcast in the pandemic and there's been a huge amount of people who have started podcasting 
since uh, the pandemic started. And now that we're pretty far into this, some of you are probably getting a taste for what consistency feels like and the grind. And the grind is something that we can love. Like grind, I think, can be considered this negative thing, kind of like you and I have talked about this before, Matt, and I've recorded solo podcasts about how hard work is often looked at as this negative thing and how grind is kind of looked at as this negative thing. But is, as cyclists, we can look at like the grind, like getting into a rhythm on the climb and like you're proud of that whenever you're done and you're proud of it in the moment because you're pushing yourself. And there's something so meaningful about consistent things that are a grind. And in the moment, you know, there's lots of moments where I don't feel like doing it. And my newsletter is another grind. I do it every single week, no matter what. If that means I'm staying up late doing it to get it done, I'm doing it. I've committed to it. But having those commitments in your life where nobody's paying me to do this, nobody's forcing me to do this. I am the one, you know, keeping myself accountable because I said I would. And holding that accountability to yourself is so incredibly important. And it doesn't have to be something like a podcast or a newsletter, but doing the thing that you said you would do and doing that repeatedly helps you have more integrity and it helps you have more confidence in yourself because you can trust that the things you say you're going to do, you're going to do. And another part of that is, I, I think I heard this on a podcast actually the other day. It was to the effect, they're talking more about money, but the things that take a long time, the things that are slow to grow are very, very meaningful things because if you get overnight success, which doesn't necessarily exist, but if something happens really quickly, then you don't actually get to appreciate the person that you became on the way to achieving that thing or the person you became while you were waiting for that thing to happen. So yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's lots of interesting concepts. And actually, I think it came up in my LinkedIn feed. It might have been, a, it was a post from you. And I don't know if it was whose quote it was, if it was yours or somebody else's, but you said that your daily activities will predict your future. So what you do on a day-to-day basis is going to predict what you're going to look like in the future. And I, and I actually stopped and thought about that. I went, right, if I work on eating healthy food every day, I'm going to become healthier or lose weight if that's my goal or whatever the case is. If I'm going to do core work and push-ups every day, then I'm going to get stronger. If I go for a run every day, I'm going to get fitter. If I call a family member and build community just once a day, I make that phone call or send that text or just tell someone I'm thinking about them, that's going to predict my future. I'm going to build a community around me. And I thought, huh, okay, yeah, that's, that's what it is. If you're ever wondering, what is it going to look like for me in 20 years or in five years, look what you did today and add all those things up and that's where you're going to be. So if you don't like where you think your life is today, well, then there's a pretty good indication that some things need to change. Yeah, I actually posted that today and I'm sure many people have said it before me, but it just popped into my mind because I was being interviewed on somebody's podcast today and they're asking me about goal setting and about, you know, things like that. And I started talking about that because it truly is trying to look at the identity of the person that you're trying to become that's how you set goals because if you set these goals like I want to achieve x you're going to lose that because how often do you see people say I want to we'll just use a marathon as an example because that's the easiest like I want to run a marathon and they train for this marathon and they run the marathon and then they never run again and like the identity piece is like I want to become a runner not I want to run a marathon and running a marathon is awesome. And I am not knocking that at all. I, running a marathon gave me the confidence to become a bike racer and to do lots of things in my life. And that was the first, I mean, I'd done big things in high school and whatever, but like that was the first big thing I set off on my own to do. And that really made me believe in myself. 
And I've also had a lot of time to think about that because I, speaking of grind and working late, I love it, but I released my first course and we, Matt and I have been celebrating that. And it's not about getting, you know, tons of people subscribed or whatever, but it's about just like the process and the knowledge of putting it all in one place. Cause people always ask me all the time, like, how are you so positive? How do you set these big goals and achieve them? How are you so resilient? How do you not give up when, when it gets hard? How are you so aware of all these things? And it's all in the work that I've done studying positive psychology and sports psychology and mindfulness-based training. And I was just so excited to put it all in one place because it's so powerful and so potent whenever you get to learn all these different skills. And that's where the daily actions compound into who you want to be in the future. That's where that came from, that idea, because man, whenever you just start training your mind and thinking about all these different things on a regular basis, it just becomes part of you. And mental training, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but like some people think that they read one book and then they're done, like on mental skills, or they learn one thing and they're done. But you would never do that with your body. Like you train your body and you keep training your body forever. And the same goes for your mind. You have to keep doing those reps because every single day it shows up. It shows up off of the bike. It shows up in your relationships. It shows up in your self-belief and the things that you do and the things that you want to do in your life. But I'm just really passionate about that. I think, again, it kind of loops back a little bit to my earlier comments about bringing really cool ideas into the house. So a lot of this research Sonia has done in, in a school or traditional academic format, but a lot of it is also interviewing the absolute leading edge researchers that sometimes are quoted are textbooks that she's already studied and sometimes there's brand new research that's come out from the top academics and top thinkers in the space. And so that's the kind of conversation we've been lucky enough to have, or Sonia has been lucky enough to have directly with these people to say, hey, like I've taken this course and I've read this book, I've read your book, and I want to know more about this specific idea. And so there's been years of that now of compounding that education, compounding that knowledge, and to distill it into something that is functional and actionable is really exciting. And and when I first read the course, I was like, man, this is amazing. I, like I'm taking it, I wanna take it, it's, it's awesome. But I think one of the things that blew me away a little bit, initially as we started going down this path and talking about this, is all the top performers in almost any space that you look at have a mental skills coach. Not only are they probably predisposed to being resilient and positive and all those things, they probably have that built in at a level Maybe they've got a bit of a head start from some other people. But on top of that, they seek and they have employed experts to make them more resilient, to give them that edge. Because when you're talking about top performers, if you can get that 2 or 3 or 4% edge, that's the difference between being a world champion and being just good. And so I think that's one of the things I was really excited about that course, whether you're you know, the Chicago Bulls. And it's the crazy thing is actually going through all the research and reading it. And George Mumford is the guy that was the coach for the Bulls. You, when you hear the my- Mindset coach. Mindset coach. And meditation. Sorry, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> Phil Jackson was the, uh, the basketball and, and, and Phil Jackson was really into that. Like, he goes into that in his book as well. But Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but when you hear interviews from Michael Jordan, and if you and you hear interviews with Scottie Pippen and the other Bulls, you hear the verbiage and the way that they speak about challenges and opportunities and growth and all these things are specifically and directly from that school of thought and research. They didn't just wake up one day and get good at it. So the cool thing for me was it's not because, you know, it's something that only people that struggle with confidence or struggle with performing to their best. It's for people that are already good 
that want to become better and people that are great that want to become exceptional. So that course delivers all that to everybody. You can go in there and be, I've never heard of this stuff before. How can it help move the needle to I'm a world champion and Olympic medalist cyclist or NBA Hall of Famer and take information out of that and go, yeah, I learned something and I made myself better today. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And um, it's Moxie and Grit Mindset Academy is what it's called. And it was it was hard to come up with a name for it. But I just continued with Moxie and Grit because those are the two things that I truly think that you need to, number one, like enjoy what you're doing and have fulfillment, but also to do hard things like Moxie and Grit. So I thought, of course, I'm going to call it the Moxie and Grit Mindset Academy. Yeah, it's awesome. And there's some cool socks in the Moxie and Grit sock website. That's right. <laughs> Some fun new designs coming your way. (laughs) So the last time we sat down to record this podcast, well, with the two of us, was in October. And I really enjoy these podcasts because I like people getting to know you, Matt. (laughs) And I also enjoy just being able to sit down and have a conversation. Like you and I talk all the time and communication and checking in with each other. It's something that is a big part of our lives, but there's something different whenever the microphone is on. Yeah, I think... You get a longer runway, <laughs> hopefully not to hang yourself, but hopefully to to actually articulate what you're thinking and be mindful and thoughtful about it. There's no Netflix in the background. There's no phones. There's no nothing. There's no, let's talk for five minutes or 10 minutes, and then we're on to the next activity. So it's nice. You, you, we know we have X amount of time where we just get to be thoughtful and, and share ideas, and we love doing this, and we do it all the time. Having Having a child has made it more limited, the time frame that we have to do this, but we do it all the time, whether it's... I pop into Sonia's office and say, hey, I really want to show you this. Or she comes out and says, oh, you wouldn't believe who I just interviewed today. And it was so awesome. And listen to this, this, and this. So it still happens on a regular basis. But it's definitely one of the cornerstones probably of our relationship has been just getting excited about exploring new ideas. And whether you do anything with them or not is a different story. But it's just that that process of exploring is really fun. Totally. I love that. (laughs) We're both very curious and love learning. And that's been something that's been really helpful in our relationship. And I guess this, I wasn't really 100% sure what topics I was going to bring up today because this has been part of a parenthood series and also just whatever's on our mind, you know, shooting the, I guess I'll just say shooting the shit. But (gasps) I know (laughs) we're trying not to use as many swear words in the house now that Bradley is at an age where he might start repeating stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Although hearing some like cuss words come out of a little squeaky voice would be really funny. Other than it's probably not very socially acceptable. (laughs) So we've talked about this in some of our Parenthood series before, I believe. And if you want to check those out, if you're new to this, if you go to sonyaloney.com, I think it's slash blog or under the resources tab, there's a blog. There's a drop-down menu and it has all these different categories and I've categorized all my blog posts and podcasts. So if you just search parenthood and pregnancy, it'll give you all the information you want to know that I've recorded with experts in my own experience about being an athlete and being pregnant and knowing how much to exercise about nutrition during pregnancy and then all the things afterwards (laughs) as new parents. So regarding this, I wanted to just talk about being a couple and having a baby and, you know, I was afraid of having a baby and dropping that into our lives because Matt and I are so incredibly lucky that we have such a great relationship and it's a really special relationship. And I know everybody has that in their you know, their marriage or most people do feel that way, hopefully about their partner. But I was worried because it was just the two of us for so long. We were married for, I'm trying to think how long, six years before we had Bradley. 
So I was just worried that we wouldn't have time to be just us. And the pandemics made that even harder. And something that Matt and I have given up and it will be temporary is our adventures together. Like we used to always go on bike rides together and go on trips, you know, adventuring on our bikes and go to races together. And we haven't done any of that. And we've only ridden together a handful of times since Bradley was born. But we've done so many other amazing things in our relationship and I don't feel more distant from Matt and I was worried that that would happen. I feel closer to Matt because we've had to work as a team and it's not easy to have all of these different, like Matt is the CEO of his company and he, you know, he runs the business and he also is a producer within his business. He's an athlete. He's a dad. I'm a professional athlete. I'm a mom. And right now I'm taking on more of the role of full-time mom, but I'm also trying to train like a professional athlete and I have all these different business projects and we have a dog. So life is full. Life is busy. And being able to manage all that and make time for each other and have those moments instead of like, he could walk into my office and I could be like, not now I'm busy. Or I could be like, Matt's really excited about something. I want to listen. Yeah. I just kind of was kind of going off on a a tangent or a positive rant about that. But (laughs) I'm just so thankful that you and I, through good communication and planning, and we talked about how we wanted to manage all this even before Bradley was born, an acknowledgement of one another, like we always say thank you to each other for doing things. And we always assume that the other person is doing their best no matter what. And sometimes one of us drops a ball. It happens. We're humans. And being able to look at your partner and be like, they're doing the best they can. They're a human being. And I love them. Yeah. And everyone has those times when maybe the feedback you were trying to give came out the way you didn't want it to, or you, you were more abrupt than when you, th- you know, it came out harsher than you thought it would. And I, I think we're both good at when those moments happen, just going, oh, that I could tell the way that that came out of my mouth, that that <laughs> was, that wasn't good. Right. And, and it's not even so much the response of the other person. It's just, geez, that's not how I normally talk, or that's not how I normally communicate. And then not just sweeping that under the rug and going, okay, I'm not going to do that again, but bring that back up and say, Hey, listen, I just want to talk about this. I was upset. I don't know what happened. I just must've been tired or, or I have to take responsibility for just not communicating sooner before I got frustrated. But having that level of openness in your relationship allows the flexibility for those moments to happen when hopefully you would not have done that, but you did. And But then you call yourself up right away and you have a conversation around that and being aware of, well, why did I respond that way? Was it my own frustration building that I hadn't dealt with or whatever? So yeah, it's a long way. I mean, it's a place where we talked about this just the other day. A lot of people have said, well, if you're not arguing in your relationship, you're not I don't know, not getting along or things, you're not doing it right or whatever. And, and we sort of came to the conclusion that for us, disagreeing is totally normal or needing something from your partner and asking for it is totally normal. But actually arguing is not normal and being chippy with one another is not normal for us. So we're very, both try to be very conscious of that. And, you know, when you, when you do stuff outside those bounds, you give your partner the the slack that they, you know, that they deserve because they're working really hard. Yeah. And you have to be humble to apologize. And you know, you know, when you've said something that you didn't want to say, you can feel it in your body. You can feel that it's like a heavy, like, like you can't breathe for a second type of feeling. Like, how did I just say that? And Matt and I aren't saying that like it happens. Like there's, there's the occasional time where we'll say something and you say it and you're like, I really didn't want to say that. And it's rectifying it immediately. And whenever you can do that and come from a place of love and also you know, your partner giving you the benefit of the doubt 
and holding that space for you and forgiving you whenever you do it, I think that helps. And also speaking up whenever something is upsetting to you, maybe not an abrasive way, but not letting things build up. Because I think what happens is people let things build up. Like, especially when you have a little kid, it's like one person, and we've had these conversations, like one person will say, I feel like I'm doing everything right now. And we have those conversations before they get so bad that you're just so mad that you're just going to explode. But it's hard to say that because whenever you say, I feel like I'm doing everything right now. Well, now you're, you feel bad because you're making your partner potentially feel bad. Or maybe you feel like, well, I'm just being too sensitive. And it's so important to speak up whenever you have those thoughts, because especially when you have a baby, you're tired, there's lots of things going on, and your relationship needs to be a priority. Yeah. And this is a, I don't know if it's a hack, but it's simple way of asking for or rewarding good behavior rather than getting chippy with somebody. I'll just think of an example. Sonia says to me, she comes out and the evening before, you know, made food, cleaned up, everything looked great. In the kitchens, everything's all wiped down. It looks spotless. And Sonia came out in the morning and said, oh, or actually she came out from feeding Bradley. She just put him down. And while she was putting him down, I cleaned up the house and she came out. She said, oh, it just looks, it feels so good to come into the kitchen with this clean. Thank you so much for cleaning it. She could have in the previous days come out where I hadn't done that and been like, God, why don't you clean up? There's dishes everywhere and da 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 And then been chippy about it. But if she really wants me to change my behavior, the best thing to do is when the good things happen, reward them. And guess what ends up happening? Behavior changes. If she comes away and starts hammering away at me, then I start getting chippy back and I get res- you know resistant. And so just a little tip when you're trying to get someone to change your behavior to get them to do what you want to do, thank them for doing even the smallest, tiniest thing in that direction. And you'll be shocked at how their behavior starts to move down that path. Sonia's got the hugest grin on her face right now. I'm smiling because I'm just like, dang it, he's on to me. I didn't know you were on to me. Oh yeah, totally. And I totally do the same thing back to you all the time. (laughs) Got you on the microphone. See, I'm listening. All these interviews you're doing and all this learning you're doing, it's in there. (laughs) So... As I mentioned, October was the last time you and I sat down to talk about our role as parents. And we've talked about so far today, a little bit off topic to start podcasting and what podcasting means to us and to other people. We've talked about consistency and the grind and how important it is to solidify these daily actions to be the person you want to be. And we've talked about communication and relationship. The next thing I want to talk about is October was kind of a time, I think Bradley was, gosh, how old was he? Six, seven months old? Am I? Yeah, he would have been... Seven months old. Yeah. And he started really changing around that six-month mark. And specifically, I remember around eight months, there's just so much personality coming out. And Matt has said to me, like, oh, it's just so, so much different now as the dad. And I would love to hear you talk about, like, how your relationship with Bradley has changed as he's become, you know, more little person, more, I guess, obvious wants and more nuanced behavior. And also like, if that's changed, what being a dad means to you whenever he's started changing. Yeah, I think it does change that. But I'll go back to the first, the first sort of point being, yeah, around that. And I'm sure lots of parents see this around that six, seven, eighth month mark as they start to develop more awareness the interaction level goes up. So as, as the father, again, because you're not directly involved the same way, like mom is still the most important person in, in the little guy's life, but dad's closing that gap, <laughs> which is pretty fun. But when they're really, really little, of course, especially if you're breastfeeding, 
the food sources, mom, the comfort sources, mom, everything revolves around mom. And then when dad does get involved, it's, it's, I won't say it's caretaking because it's, you know, it's your, your child and you, you love them and you you, you really want to protect them and take care of them. But the interaction isn't very, it's mostly one-sided, right? So here, try to play with this toy. Here, I'll try to entertain you with this. And around that sort of for Bradley, around that eight-month mark, it started, Bradley started coming to me. Hey, can I, you know, wouldn't say those words, but he <laughs> starts to grab, I'm wearing glasses. He'll grab my glasses off my face. He brings his cup over. He wants to play with it. He has a toy. and He engages with me with it. And then that bond starts to grow. So you actually can start, if it's like the Grinch, you feel your heart growing <laughs> <laughs> from that little crunchy pee up into the bigger. <laughs> so you start getting, you know, you get, you know, sort of wooed by this little person who's now like looking at you with these adoring eyes and playing with you and you just can't help but melt. It's just the funnest thing. So, and each month that goes by, he's more and more engaging and more and more fun. And then you know how to push his buttons. You know how to make him laugh and how and make have fun with him. So it, uh, yeah, absolutely. It each month that goes by for me as a as a father, and it's just the craziest thing you even say that word father. But as a father, it's just you start to feel more like a father and, and less like a provider. Like this person is your son or your daughter, and they want you and they want to play with you, and that's just the coolest thing. Yeah, and there's times where. Bradley doesn't want me like I'll come over Matt's holding Bradley and I'll walk over and most of the time Bradley like you know rotates over and wants to come to mom but there's been more times in the last few days especially where he doesn't want mom he turns away from mom he wants dad specifically and it's so cute to see that and I used to feel bad because Bradley would always want me and I would think oh I hope I hope Matt doesn't feel like not included or that Bradley doesn't love him and Matt would say to me no, no, I, I love it. It's really amazing. And I didn't know what that felt like until when I see Bradley actually want his dad and not me. That actually makes me feel really good because it's like Bradley really loves his dad. That's so cool. Yeah, it makes your heart heart melt in either case because it's just so cool to see that connection happen. You know, and it's obviously nice when it happens with you, but when it's with your partner, it's it's amazing as well. Yeah, people keep asking us, like, does he have a bike yet? And he's turning one. Oh, my gosh, it's actually really soon. Two, it's March 1st today um, in two weeks. And I want to get him a, a bike for his birthday. Wow. I can't believe his birthday is in two weeks. I know. Mm. I guess we have to, for the key dates, we have to have a big party. <laughs> <laughs> Slash just us. COVID yeah, COVID party. Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun thing is that since we've last come on the microphone. I don't know if we talked about whenever Bradley started eating food or he just barely started eating solid food. We introduced our solid food at six months. And it's been so fun to watch him flourish eating all these different foods and how much he loves eating. Like, I don't know how he eats that much. It's amazing, actually. I've talked to lots of parents and they just say it's a bit of a roll of the dice. Some kids are great eaters, some kids aren't. If kids had a world champion eating contest <laughs> Bradley would be in the running like he can eat almost full size not boy but man size portions and and he loves like spices like he, he likes chili powder and cumin. cumin and garlic and like you name it green chilies and like, like hot not, spice not, red not, pepper not too hot though yeah I mean obviously we're not giving him like hot sauce out of a can and, <laughs> like, but it's like literally the food that we make at home and we are not, the only only adjustments we really are careful about is salt. So we're making sure that there's little to no salt in the food because we're making it at home. We can control that. 
And the other thing that we watch is the heat, the amount of spice. So if it's red pepper flakes or whatever, we try and keep that down to a minimum, but it's still in there. We'll just half it or quarter it. But he loves it. Like he loves whole food. You'll give him a potato and you'll give him yams and you'll give him, you know, whatever greens. He loves those whole food. Even like pinto beans. Yeah, it's pinto beans. You know, he loves if you take black beans and you blend it with like, you throw chili powder and garlic and a little bit of oil in there just to blend it all up. And he loves that. And the other night we made like a spicy bolognese with lentils and like a spicy kind of a cashew cheese sauce. And yeah, he just hammered back like an entire, you had to cut him off. Like, there's no way. Like you take a bowl size that that I would have eaten normally. I'm like, well, I'm going to give him some and whatever he doesn't eat, I'll eat the rest. And he ate the whole entire thing. And I just thought this is, it was just wild. And I'm thinking there's going to be, there's going to be a price to pay tomorrow in the diaper, but (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been really fun just to share food with him. And, you know, people have asked us, like, are you raising your child plant-based? And the answer is yes, we are. And he loves it. And as Matt said, like, he's eating all these different types of food. And I think that it's hard for me to actually speak to this because I don't really have the experience. So I'm just speculating. But people say, like, how do I get my kids to eat vegetables? Because I would post some pictures of the foods that Bradley was eating as a baby. And people would ask me, like, I can't even get my kid to eat vegetables. And I think that... Maybe if you start them on vegetables, then they'll keep eating them. But maybe most people did start their kids on vegetables and then the kids just like rejected them. I I know that picky eating will start coming into play more around age two. Yeah, I I don't know also about the percentage of refined foods. So it must have been only a week or two ago where where Bradley had his first piece of pasta, like uh, for the most. And I kind of, I don't know if you noticed the pasta. Was that pasta or pasta? I was kind of down the middle that one. You were right down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, um, <laughs> yeah. So he, and even bread, like we didn't even give him a, he's had squirrely bread, the whole grain bread with a little bit of uh, nut butter on it now, but that was months, right? For the first eight months, he had no refined food whatsoever. It was completely whole, whole plant food, whole grains, greens. So I don't know if that changes their palate as kids. I'd love to know if there's any research to say, because as, as adults, it does, certainly does. If you've switched your diet to whole foods, 100% whole foods, the first little while is like, what am I eating? This is crazy. Like this, either I can't handle the fiber or I don't like the taste. And then within a few weeks, you're like, you, if you go back to the refined foods, you're like, this just tastes like cardboard. There's no, there's no flavor and there's no texture. So I, I don't know. I'd love to see if there's research to say that how they started out eating or if it's just a roll of the dice and some kids love it and some kids don't. But yeah, I think refined foods is a part of that. And I think, you know, they're getting exposure to those tastes and textures. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. And and also, is it safe? Like I've had people ask me, is it safe? I think it's the American Academy of Pediatrics says that a well-planned vegetarian and vegan diet is safe for children. But in Germany, I didn't see it on my own, but somebody who is a friend had a baby and she's German and she was, she changed her diet to plant-based while she was pregnant and asked me like, is it safe to feed my kids plant-based? Cause in Germany they're saying I shouldn't do it. So yes, you need to know about nutrition if you're going to be feeding your kids food, but <laughs> which is everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's what, and, that, and that's what I'm saying is like, everybody has a responsibility. Everybody's going to be doing the best that they can for their children. And most people listening to this podcast do know a lot about nutrition, but if you're going to be feeding your kid a plant-based diet, understanding what a well-planned plant-based diet actually means. And we've had Brenda Davis and Reshma Shah with their book Nourish, which is all about plant-based for families, all the way from like 
being pregnant to when the kid's a teenager and an athlete and needing to eat tons of food. And another resource is plant-based juniors, which you can check out. And they talk about how to plan a baby's plant-based diet, a toddler's plant-based diet. What is plant-based juniors? Uh, it's, it's two dietitians who basically everything they're creating is around supporting how to feed your kids plant-based. But the biggest question I think that people need to ask is like, you know, people, what people are asking about protein and yes, you do need protein. Kids need protein, but really the most important thing for young babies and toddlers is fat. They need 30 to 40% of their diet from fat. And if you're eating a whole foods plant-based diet, many adults eating a whole foods plant-based diet may not be getting 30 to 40% of their, their calories from fat. So for us, what that means is it's okay to add in a little bit more of plant-based oils into the baby's food because they need the fat. And we feed them lots of avocados. We feed them lots of nut butters. And we try, so like if I'm thinking, what am I going to give him next? It's not like my first instinct is go give him some beans because you have like all these different minerals and, and protein. But the first thing I will get is a fat because I know that how much he needs that. And that's even with breastfeeding still. I mean, he's he's breastfeeding a lot less, of course, than he was when he was really little. And I don't know the exact percentage of, of fat in breast milk, but I think it's around that 30 to 40 percent, isn't it? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, so it's it's pretty much that. And it's interesting, actually, if you look at a lot of the formula that, that are for kids, plant-based or not, a lot of the main ingredient is oil because that's the only way to get that volume of fat into the child. And I remember asking Brenda Davis, the dietitian, specifically about this and saying like, oh, we're just... Initially, when we were planning, we, were, we weren't sure what COVID was going to look like. And if Sonia had to be away for anything more than a few hours, if we didn't have enough breast milk that was in the fridge, then we might need a supplement with formula. So I wanted to at least have an idea of what was out there if I had to go get something. And I remember telling Brenda, I said, hey, you know, I'm just a bit worried because generally we try to avoid added oils to our foods and try and go for whole sources with fiber attached and all those good things. And she said, no, 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 Matt, they need that fat. And the oil is, there's just no better solution right now than having those formulas are good. And so if you can't breastfeed or you're not choosing not to breastfeed, then absolutely you want to be using those formulas. And if you don't, you put your child at risk. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that was a little different. I wasn't expecting such a strong uh, response from Brenda. But again, go check out those resources Sonia mentioned because they will very specifically go through all of these questions that I'm sure many parents have around plant-based and kids. And I'll link to both of these in the show notes, but I'll want to bring up one more. And these nutrition considerations aren't just for plant-based babies. These are for all babies. It's just I'm, I'm saying how to supplement in a plant-based diet. Like how do you add in more fat, nut seeds, avocados, adding oil, the other consideration that's important to think about is iron. And babies need more iron. Their RDA for iron is more than a man. <laughs> they need a lot. I think it's 11. The units always get me because their units are always changing, but 11. I'll have to look that up, but it's 11. And that's what you can get in these infant cereals because they're all fortified with iron, like baby oatmeal. You can use all those different foods to like bake with your for your baby. So there's actually recipes where you can like bake them little bars or muffins using these baby oatmeal so that they can get iron. Other ways to get iron are beans and making sure that there's vitamin C next to that. So like if he's eating lentils, making sure that there is maybe some red peppers or maybe he has like a little tangerine afterwards to make sure that you have iron absorption. Or if you're Bradley, you have two to three tangerines at a sitting. <laughs> <laughs> it's for dessert after he's already had everything. It's yeah. And I also can't remember the exact stat, but Brenda, when she was on the podcast, was talking about baby beef and the iron content in baby beef. And there is more iron in iron fortified infant cereal than in eating. You have to eat like 
many, many, many tablespoons of baby beef to get the same amount of iron in infant fortified cereal. So that's just something to consider, you know, if your child is eating animal products, just just so you know where you're at. And just to re- sort of walk back on my comment about no refined foods for, for Bradley. <laughs> uh, yes, he did have the fortified infant cereal as soon as he could. That was pretty much the first thing that he was eating as a, as a whole f- or as a solid food uh, because of the fortification that goes in there. And I think the other really, really important mineral, iodine, I believe is the mineral, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And that's really important all the way through from breastfeeding all the way through until they're older. And I think developmentally, that's, again, iron and iodine are the so those key ones that you want to make sure that you, you have available. Yeah. And iodine for grownups as well, if you're eating plant-based, because if you're eating a plant-based diet and you're having Himalayan sea salt and you're not having iodized salt, you have to get it from a supplement or from seaweed. And Himalayan sea salt is not iodized. So they started iodizing table salt so people could get more iodine. And the reason why dairy milk, cow milk is a good source of iodine is because they use iodine to clean the equipment and it gets into the milk. So cows don't naturally have iodine in their milk. It just comes from the equipment and the processing of getting dairy milk. And I just learned that from listening to a plant-based juniors podcast the other day because I was wondering about that. Is that kind of like cooking with cast iron and getting ironed into your food the same way? Maybe it is. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. Yeah. So just making sure like if the baby is breastfeeding and you're as the mother are getting iodine, the baby is getting iodine. And then I heard this from Brenda Davis. She said that like if you have a plant-based baby and you're worried about the iodine part, they only need like a 16th or a 32nd of a teaspoon of kelp powder because kelp powder is actually really, really, really potent in iodine. So either supplementing with an actual iodine supplement or using some iodized table salt. It's not recommended to give children, babies under the age of two salt because their kidneys can't process it. And this is all fun stuff that I've been learning just this year. So I'm excited to just tell people about it. Yeah. And and just making sure that they are getting iodine in their diet. And here's a fun hack for the adults out there. Again, Sea salt so such a trendy thing, right? Like everything they promote, if you have salt, it's sea salt or whatever, which is, again, maybe great from a perspective of taste and even presentation because sometimes it's beautiful. But yeah, just switch your cooking. Go back to the old school table salt. Table salt is iodized. And so just switch that out. It's dirt cheap and you don't have to supplement anything. And if you're going to add salt into your food, use that. And now you're going to hit all your metrics you need. So that's basically what we did. Yeah. And the last is vitamin D and all babies are recommended to be supplemented with vitamin D because most people don't get enough. Um, They're not out in the sun enough, especially babies aren't out in the sun. And I won't go on anymore about child plant-based nutrition because there's so much more we could go into and how fun would that be? But I'll leave those resources with you. Nourish the book and the podcast episode I recorded with Brenda and also check out Plant-Based Juniors. They haven't been on the podcast yet, but I just wanted to sort of just raise the flag a little bit, some ideas, some things to think about, some things to consider. And I'd like to mention, because I'm super happy that I got to be part of the project, uh, (laughs) on the adult nutrition end of things, Sonia has revamped her cookbook. So that's got edited by a professional editor named me. And (laughs) (laughs) uh, no, so there's typos or grammar errors, they're, they're all me. But basically, we've really just gone back through Sonia's recipes and, and tighten them up, clean them up a little bit on paper. And the cool thing for us is that we cook a, almost all of those regularly, but it's just refresh us again. Oh yeah, we haven't been making this one. Because you know how you get in that routine of making you know, a certain set number of dishes? You're like, oh yeah, I forgot how my awesomeness was. And it comes back in your rotation again. You're making this more. And yeah, I think we just made the Asian noodle bowl the other day and I just forgot how amazing that one is. And it's just awesome to have that. 
Yeah, the cookbook is Plant Powered Academy. We changed the name from Plant Powered Tribe to Plant Powered Academy just because a few people had reached out saying, you know, it might be a little bit insensitive to use the word tribe. And I actually um, contacted my brother-in-law, who's a PhD in archaeology and works with indigenous peoples, just to ask, you know, is this wrong? And the answer was he wasn't really sure. It just depends on the person. So we decided to change the name to Plant Powered Academy. And in the cookbook, we've updated and made all the photos look really awesome. I've updated all the graphics, just just cleaned it up. I had a bit of help from somebody that helped me lay out the cookbook initially. And I just was excited to be able to spend a little bit more time with it and put my own personal touches. I think it looks awesome. I don't know if there's any credits for the editor, though. I should have double <laughs> Yeah, and you can get that at moxieandgrit.com, Plant Powered Academy. It's a digital cookbook. All right. Well, there were a few more things I wanted to get into, but it's pretty much bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that's the one thing. There's just that consistent alarm clock and that, you know, sometimes the alarm clock just goes off early for no reason. <laughs> it never sleeps in. You can't snooze it, but it might go off early. And if you guys missed that, that's Bradley, the alarm <laughs> clock. Anyways, thanks so much for listening, you guys. We kind of went all over the place, but we that's kind of why we like sitting down. We like I like the spontaneity of these podcasts with Matt and just seeing where they go and getting to hear him say things that I haven't heard him say before and getting it on recording. <laughs> I know, I'm terrified. If you're listening out there, you know, don't give me any negative feedback. <laughs> <laughs> but leave us five stars if you're enjoying this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Take a screenshot and share the show with your friends. If you're getting value out of it, so will your friends. And we so, so appreciate it whenever we hear from you guys and see that you're enjoying the show. And I'm with you. And so is Matt on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. <laughs> <laughs>